Good morning. We are so glad to be here today. I'm Pastor Tommy McMurtry from the Liberty Baptist Church. This may be your first time listening to us today. This is a brand new time for us at 9.30. We've been on for the last couple months at 7.30. So this may be your first time listening today. And if it is, we hope you get a blessing from the program today. I'm the pastor of the Liberty Baptist Church in Rock Falls, Illinois. And we're glad you can be a part of this program today. And we encourage you to listen and enjoy. We come every week and we try to do our best to bring a message straight from the Scriptures that can be a help and an encouragement to you. We also like to encourage you to send in any questions that you have. You can affect the subject matter of this program by sending in a question that we can try to answer. Or if there's just a subject you would like to hear spoken about, we would love to do that. We always do our best to give a biblical answer for everything. We believe the Bible is the final authority in everything. And so we hope you'll do that. And if you'd like to send us a question, you can send it to our email, which is libertybc2011 at att.net. Or you can visit our website at experience-liberty.com. And if you go there, you can also email us through that. And we hope you'll do that. And we just want to be a blessing. And we like to do what we can to put a smile on your face. And so this, we like to start things off and tell a few jokes. People have been sending me a lot of good jokes. And uh, just a little warning, though, um, I've been known to be able to butcher a joke and not uh, do the best job telling it. But I try. I enjoy them. And if anything, I do it for my own pleasure. And I want to read this story to you. I thought this was good. At Sunday school, they were teaching how God created everything, including human beings. Little Johnny seemed especially intent when they told him how Eve was created out of one of Adam's ribs. Later in the week, his mother noticed him lying down as though he were ill and said, Johnny, what's the matter? Little Johnny responded, I have a pain in my side. I think I'm going to have a wife. Oh, come on! Hey, I, I thought that was pretty funny. But, well, anyway, I tell you, I, I hope you all enjoy uh, watching, listening to me fail on these jokes every week, but hopefully I will do a little better in uh, bringing a message to you from the Scriptures. But anyway, so that was our fun for this morning. But right now, I want us to go to Galatians chapter 5. Um, last week, I had mentioned uh, we had talked about eternal security. And something that many people do not believe in is that once someone's saved, they're always saved. They, they, many people believe that you can lose your salvation. And there's so many areas we can go to on this subject. But the area we focused on last week was really, I was trying to show how this idea that you can lose your salvation, many the religions that have that and individuals that have that need to admit that the salvation that they believe in is a works-based salvation. And I, I tried to show from the Scriptures how that is not the case. Salvation is not in any way by our works or by the works of the law. And so I, you know, I, and I want to uh, challenge you, you know, if you have questions on this, go ahead and send them to me. Email them to me if there's a verse of Scripture that you think shows something different. That you think that it uh, implies that you can lose your salvation. Uh, go ahead and send those to me and we promise we will do our best to answer those for you. And we will do it in a respectful way. We won't call you names like heretic or anything like that. 
uh, if someone, if you're wondering, and we want to help, we want to be, uh, be there for you. And so uh, I've got a couple scriptures that I want to show you that were um, ones that people have used to prove, I guess, that you can lose your salvation. And there's ma- there's many of them out there. I'm not saying I'm covering all of them today, but here's just a, here's just a couple that I had. And first one was Galatians chapter five and verse one through four is what they will uh, put down. Galatians five one through four. Uh, this is a passage that proves. You can lose your salvation, supposedly. So let's look at what it says. And whenever someone uses a scripture to promote a false doctrine, usually all you have to do is look at the verses before and verses after, and we'll make it very clear uh, what the truth is about it. And a lot of times those verses are purposefully ignored. And so let's go to verse, uh, we'll read 1 through 4, and then we're going to look at the verses after that. So verses 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. So right there, uh, we see a f- few things in there that people use. There's the term fallen from grace. Uh, we see on uh, the first verse about not being entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Okay, And so those verses right there people will use. But let's go ahead and look at the next few verses. And I think this will give us a better understanding of what we're talking about here. But verse 5 says, For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well, who did hinder you that ye you, you should not obey the truth? Now in order to get the full context of this, you'd, we'd have to go and look through all of Galatians, and we don't have time to do that. But if you study the book of Galatians, you will see that Paul was battling a teaching of people that thought they still needed to keep that Old Testament Mosaic law in order to be saved. It was something that they battled all the time. And the circumcision was a big part of it that everybody was always trying to teach that you had to do. And if you look in the book of Acts, you'll see where Paul and the apostles, they got together because this teaching was coming into the church. And they said, we've got to uh, get, you know, we've got to show the truth on this subject. And they taught this. You know, came to the conclusion that salvation is by grace, not through the works of the law. And when Paul in the beginning tells them to stand in the liberty, okay, God gives us liberty. In, we have liberty in Christ. Okay, now it's not liberty to sin. Many people will use the term liberty and talk about it as the freedom to sin. But what liberty is, that just means we have freedom. And the truth is, if we sin, we can still be saved. If even if we sin, even if we mess up, we still will go to heaven. Because the truth is, there's not a person out there who claims to be saved that you cannot easily prove they are still sinners. And because we have liberty in Christ, we don't have to fear that. We don't have to fear falling uh, from salvation and falling into hell. And in verse four, when he says, or in verse four when he says, uh, mentions being fallen from grace, Kate. Okay? It doesn't say in there that you 
had salvation. Okay, It doesn't say that you had eternal life. It just said you're fallen from grace. Well, what made them fall from grace? It was because they were going after the works of the law for salvation. They were going after the circumcision, saying you had to do that. And Paul said, listen, if you have to do that, then you have to keep the whole law. You can't just pick one of those Old Testament laws and say you have to do that to go to heaven. If you're going to do that, you've got to take the whole package. You've got to keep every bit of the law. And if you are pursuing that, if you are going after that, you have fallen away from grace, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it to heaven by the works of the law. You're not going to make it to heaven by being good. If you're trying to make it to heaven today by being religious, you're going to you're going to fail. You're going to fall short. You are going to fall from grace. You're not going to get it. And that doesn't mean you ever had it. It just means you never got to it. You never made it. And then when we go in the next verses in verse 5, you know, for we through the spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Okay, salvation, it is by grace and it's through Faith, faith in the work of Jesus Christ, not faith in the works of the law. And so when he talks about falling from grace, it doesn't mean falling from salvation or eternal life. It just means falling from grace. In other words, they fell short. They didn't make it. They didn't get it because they tried to do it by keeping the law. And if you're trying to get to heaven by being good, you will fall from grace. You will fall short. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that's why we have to depend on Jesus Christ. So uh, saying this passage means you can lose your salvation, um, it does not imply that one bit. When you just look at what it's talking about, it's talking about falling from grace and basically falling short. Once again, uh, in harmony with other scriptures on that subject. So hopefully that made sense to you. But then also another one, 2 Peter 3.17 is another verse uh, that's supposed to be able to be used to prove you can lose your salvation. And it says, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also be led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Okay? So it says there you can fall from your own steadfastness. Well, is your steadfastness salvation? Is that eternal life or is that steadfastness? Okay, verse 18, the next verse says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. As a Christian, we always should be growing in Christ. We should always be becoming better. We should always be doing more for him. And to do that, you've got to be steadfast. The Bible says, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know your labor is not in vain, in the Lord, the way we are steadfast is by just being steady, standing strong, moving forward for God. That's being steadfast. And when we don't do that, well, then we fall from our steadfastness. That's not our salvation, though. And so verse 17, once again, it's taking a word and associating it with salvation when it clearly isn't. If you look at the very next verse, it reinforces this idea of it's about growing in Christ and becoming better because it tells us grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what a believer is supposed to be doing. You know, many people today, they just want to do the bare minimum on everything. And it's like when you teach this 
that salvation is you know believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and it's not of works, okay, I'll do that and that's all I want to do. You don't have to go to church to get saved. Okay, good, because I'm not going to church. You don't have to get baptized to get saved. Good, because I'm not getting baptized. You know, I wonder a person that has that attitude, you know, why do you want to even get saved in the first place? Okay, obviously you don't think your lifestyle, you don't think your sin is even a problem. Why do you think Jesus even wants to save you? Why do you need salvation? Well, I, and, and the truth is, many of these people who have that attitude simply don't believe. And they will promote this idea. They'll take advantage of the grace of God. And it really casts a bad light and is a bad example for those who do believe like we do, that once a person's saved, they're always saved. But just understand, many people who have that attitude and live that way, unfortunately, they're probably not saved. Okay, And so... Uh, don't follow, don't follow their lead and don't let their lifestyle, uh, trump what the Bible says, okay? Look at what the scripture says and base everything on that. So, uh, but when it comes, so this idea with salvation, when it comes to salvation, okay, last week we covered how it's not by works, okay? And works is something that people want to make it some part of it. I want to, they, that's, something they can hang on to, credit they can give themselves. And the truth is, it has nothing to do with that. It's all about faith and what Jesus Christ did. And so all, another area where many people get themselves in trouble when it comes to salvation, because they don't want to have faith. Okay, People don't like this faith thing. They really don't. And that's why many people go after works. They just They struggle. With faith, and so another area that's going, a thing that's going on amongst Christian people today, or in churches today, I guess I should say, is people want some kind of proof of their salvation, even though the proof of our salvation is found in the scriptures. And we'll talk a little more about that in a little bit. People want some kind of proof, something they can put their finger on that says, this proves that I am saved. And there's a couple of things we're going to look at today. One of those things that people use to try to prove to themselves that they are saved is baptism. Okay. Now, I believe 100% in baptism. I believe when a person gets saved, I believe they should get baptized. I believe that is the very first thing you should do. I believe if you don't do that, you're being disobedient as a child of God. A person who's saved should get baptized after salvation. And But at the same time, you don't get saved by being baptized. okay? Or a person who's never been baptized and they die, that doesn't mean they're going to hell because they didn't get baptized. Salvation is not by baptism. And I want to look at some verses on this, but Acts chapter 1 verse 5 says, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days Hence, okay, many times in the Bible when it's talking about baptism, it's not always talking about water baptism. Sometimes it's talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I believe when a person gets saved, okay, the Bible talks about how we are indwelt with the Holy Ghost. We are baptized by the Holy Ghost. We are covered by the Holy Ghost. The Bible says uh, that we are sealed by the Holy Ghost until the day of redemption. That's one of the reasons we're able to keep our salvation is because, not of our own power, but because of the power of the Holy Ghost of God. Because we've been baptized in the Holy Ghost and the baptism of the Holy Ghost is necessary 
for salvation, you have to be baptized with the Holy Ghost in order to be saved. But then the question comes, okay, well, what proves you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost? All right. And then that goes into another area that we're going to cover. But let's stay in baptism here for a few minutes. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? So how do you know you've been baptized with the Holy Ghost? Well, many people believe you will speak in tongues. And that's the other thing. That's proof for salvation. You will speak in tongues. And I'm here today to tell you that that is absolutely false. That is not true. And, and right here in the book of Acts, what we see here, this was a miraculous event that took place. This was a great event, really the beginning of the work of the Holy Ghost in the lives of people where he just in a big way began to move. And this was a very special, miraculous event. But notice in the story, these people, they weren't speaking in some unknown gibberish. They were speaking in other languages, languages that weren't their own. These were just you know normal Galileans. These weren't educated people. And these Jews from all over the world that had come to Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost, they understood them in their own native language. This was a miraculous event that took place. And many people that talk about, you know, that have told me they speak in tongues and they'll bring up the book of Acts and how they do it like in the book of Acts. And I asked them, you know, when you spoke in tongues, did a rushing mighty wind fill the room? Because that's what happened on that day. Were there tongues of fire uh, over your head? Like in the book of Acts, you know, when you spoke, did people... They had from other languages that had other native tongues. Did they hear you in their own language? Were you speaking in their language or were you talking in an unknown gibberish that nobody knew but yourself? Because if you were, that's nothing like we see in the book of Acts. There's nothing in common there. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of of the Holy Ghost. And I believe the baptism he's talking about there, one is the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but at the same time, they were baptized in water on that same day because that's what a person does when they get saved and they're being obedient. They're going to get baptized in water also, but yet there are so many passages that prove that that, is, that does not save you, Okay, that that is a work. It's the baptism of the Holy Ghost that saves you. And so this event that we see here in Acts, we see a very similar event that takes place later in Acts chapter 10. And we're not going to read the whole story, but you might remember a man by the name of Cornelius who was a Gentile. And when Peter preached to him, it says, while he spake these words in Acts 10.44, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. 
as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. And then in Acts chapter 11, verse 15, it says, And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them. He's talking about this event. As on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the light gift as he did unto us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. What was going on here in Acts chapter 11, or Acts chapter 10, the same thing that God did to the Jews on Pentecost, God was doing to the Gentiles here in Acts chapter 10. He was doing the same thing, gave them that same gift of the Holy Ghost, he gave them that same sign, and after they saw that, Peter realized these people are one of us, that salvation, it's not to the Jews only, it's also to the Gentiles, and you know what? He didn't forbid water baptism, because water baptism, it is something that God gave to the church. It is a picture of our salvation, and it is something that we do if, when someone gets saved and they're baptized with the Holy Ghost, they will come and we will baptize them in water, showing them that, hey, they are now a part of our church, that this person, they are one of us, they and they can fellowship with us because they have received the Holy Ghost just like we have. And it's a picture. And before the Gentiles were kind of kept out, they didn't weren't really going for them, didn't know if they could be a part of the assembly of believers, but it was clear that God had accepted them the same way he had accepted the Jews that believed. And so they said, let's go ahead and baptize them. In other words, so they can be a part of our church. And the Gentiles became a part of that church that day. And same thing, they spoke in tongues or same same word, languages. Okay, When the Bible talks about tongues, it's talking about languages. It's not talking about a gibberish. That is a new teaching that's been around now for the last hundred years or so. And it, it's not in the Scriptures. It, it makes no sense. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 38 says, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophesy, prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, Okay, that word perfect means complete. Then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Understand that before, you know, back in the days of Acts and in the days of the apostles, they didn't have the completed scriptures then. Today, we have the completed scriptures. We have the word of God we don't need someone to come and do this miracle where he speaks to us in our language, a person who didn't know our language. We don't need that sign. We don't need that miracle or, or whatever. That is not a part of it. We've got the scriptures. Why do I need somebody from 
Portugal who doesn't know English to come and speak to me in English about how to be saved when we've got the Bible in print all over the place. When we've got Christians who speak English all over the place, they can tell me how to get saved. They can tell me the way of salvation. We don't need that. That was something for back then because they didn't have the completed completed scriptures. And notice how he says in 1 Corinthians, he says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. You know, I th- I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And us wanting the gift or the sign of tongues so we can, you know, know we're saved, that would be like an adult wanting to go back to drinking milk from a bottle. You know, drinking milk from a bottle was okay when you were a baby and it helped you, it fed you, it gave you what you needed. But eventually, you needed more than that. And now... We don't want to go back to that. We've got something so much better. We've got real food. We've got steak. We've got meat that we can now eat. And tongues, it was something for way back then in the early days of the churches when it was just getting started. Today, we have something that's complete. We have something that is so much better. We have the Word of God, and we can find assurance of our salvation in the Word of God, not in the so-called gift of tongues, not in signs, not in miracles. We don't need that. First John 5.13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. These things have I written. We have the Scriptures. That's how we know we're saved. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be the propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. The proof that we are saved is in the blood of Christ. How do we know about that? How do we learn about that? We find it out in the Word of God. It's in the Word of God. We can read about how Jesus paid for our sins. We can read about His perfection and what He did. And the way of the assurance of salvation, the proof of salvation, it's not in anything we do. It's not in our baptism. It's not in our church membership. It's not in some speaking in tongues. Our proof of our salvation, our assurance, is found only in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we find that in God's Word.